Musicians are always complaining that people devalue the arts, yet we are the ones that set the ticket prices for entry to gigs. Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, branding, PR, and release strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years as a musician, professional digital marketer, and music journalist, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. What's up and welcome back to the... What podcast is this? What's up and welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. My name is Monica Strutt. And today I wanted to talk about why you must say no to opportunities in order to achieve your goals this year. Now, this podcast episode was inspired by a couple of opportunities that I've received recently, which I've said no to. But in fact, throughout the last couple of years, or at least since I started my current band, The Last Smarter, we have been presented with multiple opportunities that we've actually said no to. The reason why I wanted to share this podcast with you is that I was really encouraged when I was first starting out in the music industry to say yes to every opportunity, particularly when it came to playing live. There's this old school philosophy within the heavy music community that you should play as much as possible. That increases the chances of people seeing you and your exposure. And especially when it comes to being approached by industry people, you know, it's held in really, really high esteem when you're approached by a manager or when you're approached by a label. I mean, a lot of musicians really want to sign to management and really want to be signed to a label, myself included. So I believe that when you're a young musician or when you're first starting out, or even if you just maybe haven't had a lot of experience working with industry professionals, that the people that actually work within the music industry are held kind of on a pedestal. And so a band should be grateful for any opportunity to work with someone who is like a manager or a label or an agent in order to progress in their music career. But I'm here to tell you that obviously it depends on the stage that your career is at. Obviously, if you've never played live before and you're a really young musician, maybe in your teens or something like that, then yes, I would say go get out there, get the experience, play as many shows as you can. But if you have been doing this a few years like me, saying yes to every opportunity can actually block us from achieving success. In fact, by saying no, I found that you open the door to bigger and better things. Now, the place that we start with all of this is we need to be clear on what our goals are for this year and how we want to position ourselves or our bands in the market. This is absolutely imperative to work out prior to embarking on any business activities. So what are your goals? Do you want to focus on Spotify? Do you want to get management or sign to a label? Do you want to tour and play interstate or overseas? Hopefully we will be able to do that soon. But what exactly are your goals? If you want to be signed to a label, I've spoken about this before, which label do you want to sign to? If you want to bring on management, I need you to go and research which manager you actually want to work with. Because even if you don't end up working with that specific person, you should at least be clear 
clear on what you like about that person or, you know, if it's an agency, like about that agency. So that's the first thing, being extremely clear on your goals and also how you want to position yourself in the market. Now, this isn't necessarily about genre because I feel like a lot of bands nowadays are are blending several genres and kind of moving in and out of different genres, incorporating, you know, say there's a lot of metal bands that incorporate electronic elements. So it's not necessarily about your positioning in terms of genre. It's about knowing your target demographic. Are you more of an obscure heavy band? The labels that you're going to go for are probably smaller, independent labels. Do you want to be a more accessible band? Do you play pop punk or rock that is very, very accessible and melodic? Then your approach to the way that you market yourselves and the style of imagery is going to be very different to the more obscure heavy bands. So you really need to know your position in the market. This is kind of what I help bands with when I work with them. And I do help bands with goals setting as well. In fact, that's one of the first things that we do when I bring a band on board for my private coaching. And by the way, I do have spots available to start with a band this month or next in terms of my three month coaching packages. I've already got a couple of bands that have snapped up the spots, but if you want in, if you've got new music coming out in the next six months, I would love to work with you. Send me an inquiry to contact at monicastrut.com and together we will have a Zoom call and assess whether this is right for you. But aside from, you know, release and marketing strategy, I actually help bands clarify their goals and their career strategy as a whole and how they need to position themselves in the market. It goes far beyond visuals and branding. It's about positioning. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about is actually in support of positioning yourself as an up and coming band that is a band to watch, not just another local band out there. We all know those bands that have gone around and around on the local scene, never seeming to get any bigger. And we need to position ourselves and market ourselves and have the right strategies to actually rise above that local level and start to really generate a buzz. And that's exactly what I help bands with. So as I said, be clear on your goals and how you want to position yourself in the market. And I just wanted to give you an idea of some of the things that myself and my band have said no to over the last couple of years that we've been together. And my old band, once we got bigger, used to be very strict on a couple of these things as well, particularly gigs. So gigs is the first thing that a lot of bands struggle to say no to. Obviously, as musicians, we want to play as much as possible, but I'm a firm believer in it's not about the number of gigs that you play. It's actually about the quality of the gigs that you play. So what I teach is that every single show that you do should have one of two purposes. A, it is to generate awareness for a new release or B, it is to expose you to a bigger audience. So the generate awareness is like a release show or a release tour where you are promoting a new album or a new EP, something in particular. And the point of playing those shows or doing that tour is actually to sell more albums, of course, merch and everything like that. But the purpose of actually touring something, touring a release, and in one of the recent episodes, I talked about having cycles and seasons in your band. So that is why when a band releases a new album, then they go into the touring cycle for that album, which for bigger bands generally lasts about a year or so. But for smaller bands, it may just last, you know, a couple of weeks doing a small regional tour or something like that in your neighboring cities. 
Where I see a lot of bands go wrong is taking any and every gig that gets offered to them. And what this does is it doesn't help the supply and demand concept, which is key for selling. If there's more supply of something, the demand actually goes down. And if there's less supply of something, the demand goes up. So if you're playing shows every single weekend, eventually people are going to stop coming to your shows because they're just going to know that if they can't make you this weekend, you know, you're readily available and they can just see you next weekend. And in places like Australia, where I'm from, the cities are really far apart and there's not a lot of places that you can really play apart from kind of in the main towns. So you really have to space out your shows no less than two to three months apart in your hometown. Now, obviously there's exceptions. You may do a club night and then you may do like a bigger support show where it's not actually your show, you're supporting somewhere else. And by the way, going into a bit more detail about um, getting exposure, that's the kind of show that I mean when you're on a bill with a bigger band and you're getting exposure to their audience or even just another local band and then cross-pollinating your audiences. That is the second reason aside from generating awareness for a release. But let's skip forward again. Playing shows more rarely actually means that you'll be able to not only create the demand for your live show, but actually you'll be able to put in the effort that it takes to promote a show sufficiently. This is another huge reason why bands aren't drawing people to their shows is they're just not promoting enough. They're not doing everything they can to get people through the door. Now, one of the things I really hate is, and it happened to me yesterday, is when random people who you haven't spoken to in a few years or don't even know DM you and ask you to come to their show and send you a link and everything and pretend like, oh, hi, how are you? I fucking hate that shit. Like, honestly, there are so many different ways of going about getting people through the door to your shows and DMing people unsolicited links to your tickets is not one of them. So I just have to put that out there. So watch the gigs that you're playing. Don't play too often. Unfortunately, it means you're going to have to say no. When I started out in coaching, I actually worked with a lot of bands who were playing too often and they were like they were pretty known in the scene and they would draw people, but they feel like they'd reached a plateau in their growth. And I said, well, why are you playing, you know, this show and this show? It's only a couple of weeks apart and it's in the same city. And they said, oh, well, we just got asked to play the show. and We wanted to do our friends a favor. Your band is not a favor. You are there to entertain people and your band is worthy of more than just doing someone a favor. So if you're playing shows to do someone a favor so that they can fill a bill, I'm sorry, but that's not a good enough reason to do a show because anyone, I mean, anyone can post in one of those random musicians groups that are in every city and just ask, Hey, I'm looking for a band on such and such a date to open. Is anyone able to do it? And you'll probably get like 50 responses. So you need to look at the worth that you're attaching to your band because you certainly should not be playing shows as a favor. And you should also, while we're here, not be playing shows for free. That is just going to devalue not only you, but it's also going to devalue the whole music industry. We need to stop charging nothing for entry to shows. Obviously, there are going to be some instances where entry may be free, maybe when you're getting a guarantee or something like that. But most of the time, you need to be charging entry to your shows 
And you need to stop devaluing yourselves. A lot of musicians complain. I mentioned this before a couple of episodes ago. Musicians are always complaining that people devalue the arts, yet we are the fucking ones that set the ticket prices for entry to gigs. Charge more than $10, $15. Obviously, if you're a local band, probably don't charge $50. And I'm talking about Australian dollars as well. So, you know, just to give you an idea of currency. Um, but, you know, a lot of our shows are around $10 to $15 here. But easily, I think easily we should be charging $20 to $25 to see four bands. I think that that's not unreasonable at all, especially, you know, of course you want the bands to be good and well rehearsed and to actually put on a good show. But yeah, we are the ones that set our prices. So make sure that you have integrity and are charging what you're worth. Before we continue on, I'm so excited because today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it super easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, and let me tell you, they look super modern and fresh, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Being in a band podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, that's B-A-N-D-Z-O-O-G-L-E.com and try it free for 30 days and use the promo code being in a band, all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com with promo code being in a band and I've left it linked below. Other opportunities that my band has said no to include working with management and labels. So we have been approached by a couple of managers, some legit, some not so legit, and also a couple of labels, again, some kind of legit and some not so legit. So saying no to managers who maybe didn't really understand where we were going with the music or um, maybe we just thought that we weren't aligned to their roster or we didn't really just vibe with them allows us to then stay independent. When the right manager comes along, then obviously we will be able to say yes. A lot of bands get starry-eyed and kind of get wooed by the fact that they will be able to tell people that they're signed to a label or that they have management. Usually the label thing is what I tend to notice more in the industry, but actually signing to a label that doesn't have the best reputation can actually do more harm than good. It is much more advantageous to stay independent, to learn the business of being in your band. And when the right opportunity comes along that can actually progress your career and is more aligned to your goals and where you want to go, you'll easily be able to then identify that and it will just lead to a more fruitful working relationship. Also, if you are approached by a label that maybe is a label that you eventually do want to sign to and they are legit and can actually progress your career, sometimes it is better off saying no the first time as well because often younger bands do get themselves into 
deals that aren't really beneficial long-term because they don't have as much negotiating power being a smaller band. So if you are a smaller band, and even if you are approached by a bigger label, sometimes it is still worth holding out on being signed because then you're locked in. And once you do get bigger and you do have more negotiating power, then you can think about signing to that label or a different one. And you'll have just a better contract and you will have a successful music career, which is kind of the goal here. The goal isn't to sign to a label. The goal is to make money doing what you love. For me personally, I've actually said no to a lot of jobs recently. I've been approached by some amazing companies to do social media management. Now, for those who don't know, I was a social media manager for many years, but I made the decision at the beginning of 2020 that social media management was not for me anymore. It's something that I really wanted to do a couple of years ago. And obviously that's why I went into the career that I went into. But for me, you know, keeping on top of the algorithm changes as like a core part of my job was very tedious and annoying. And when you work for other companies, there's not too much creativity involved. And especially I worked for a couple of companies that just weren't willing to invest in the content that they were posting on social media. So I was left really stressed out trying to repurpose other people's content. And, you know, obviously I would tag them and stuff to try and get around any like copyright, but it just wasn't boding good results because they weren't willing to invest in themselves. And that made my job so much more stressful. And it just was not a creative job at all. Just working for bigger businesses, there's a lot of things that you have to talk about in terms of the way that you present the company and then things had to be run past, you know, a marketing manager or whatever. And, you know, a lot of the companies that I worked with, their marketing managers were like very out of touch and yeah, just didn't have the autonomy that I would have liked. And so it really turned me off the whole social media thing. And what also turned me off as well last year was seeing a lot of bands focus too much on knowing every single social media algorithm and trying to um, get a shortcut to success when their music and their imagery just was not very good. They were trying to look for the next hack in terms of social media algorithms, yet the basics weren't there. And that pissed me off. And that really made me want to focus less on social media going forward in my business, which is certainly something that I'm phasing out. I won't phase it out completely because social media is still important and I still enjoy it somewhat, but it's not going to be the whole bag when it comes to the content that I create. So, you know, just that combo of working for corporate clients and also being underpaid, frankly, for the amount of hours that I put in and which is totally my fault because at the end of the day, I set what I charge and I chose to stay working for those companies. Sorry if you can hear that weird vibrating noise. Um, that's my washing machine going off. Um, but I just want to keep going because I'm on a roll. Um, and yeah, also seeing musicians and bands focusing on social media too much and neglecting the basic things such as music and visuals and working as a team and having the strategy right. That is way more important than a stupid fucking social media algorithm. So aside from promising myself at the beginning of 2020 that I wasn't going to work as a social media manager, I also promised myself I was no longer available to be charging an hourly rate for my work. I wasn't going to be exchanging time for money anymore. I was going to only work in terms of packages or retainers or something like that. So charging an hourly rate, I just find that it doesn't really promote quality of work. Not only have I worked in a lot of jobs over the years where I really feel like I've worked three times as hard as everyone else and gotten everything done really fast. And there's been 
a lot of jobs where I've had where I've literally had nothing to do for the last few hours of work. So I've just played around on the internet or whatever. At the end of the day, it's just a waste of time and money for everyone involved. So that was the other thing. So that's another reason why I've turned down jobs. Now, it has been really, really hard to say no to some of these opportunities. A couple of years ago, some of the opportunities that have come my way literally in the past couple of months, I would have killed for. They are companies that I admire so much that are completely in my niche in the music industry and I've turned them down and I've had these moments where I've really questioned, you know, am I an idiot for turning down these jobs? But it comes back to what I was saying earlier about, no, I know my worth. I know my goals. And unfortunately, being a social media manager is no longer in alignment with the person that I want to become and the way that my career is going. It's not going to enable me the flexibility that I want, the creativity that I want. And it's going to be a lot more work for very little financial reward. And ultimately, it's just going to be unfulfilling on so many different counts. Sometimes saying no is really difficult and you're going to question your sanity. But when I checked in with my gut, I knew, I knew that it was the right answer because I rehearsed saying yes in my head and immediately I felt anxious. I felt like it was the wrong decision. So that's how I knew that even though to your average everyday person, it may seem like a strange choice, especially with the world the way it is, you know, a lot of people are struggling to get work and I'm being offered work left, right and center. I knew within myself that I'd be letting a part of myself down and and if my heart's not in it I'm just going to let down the companies as well and possibly sabotage some relationships um, if I don't do a good job so yes it can be hard but that's why you have to really know where you're heading what your goals are because if you're ever struggling to make a decision all you have to ask yourself is is this in alignment with my goals for this year and the last kind of opportunity that I've said no to in the past year or two have been brand sponsorships or collaborations. And I think that this is important because when you're starting to build an audience online, you want to be able to build the trust. The only product that I've promoted since mid-2019 when I started this podcast has been Banzoogle. And that's only been very recent because it's a product that I already use. But if I had said yes to any brand or if I'd reached out for any old sponsorship for the podcast and you guys tried something and didn't like it, then, I mean, obviously everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Um, and there's always a chance that people aren't going to like whatever I recommend. But, you know, if I don't believe something fully, then first of all, I'm not going to be able to promote it sufficiently in order to get anything out of it. And it's also just going to make me look like a bit of a dickhead if I'm promoting crap to you guys, because I want you to be able to trust my opinion and what I recommend. And yeah, it's just not going to be conducive for long-term success. So I want you to really get clear on your goals and how you want to position your band. And even you can start thinking about how you want to position your personal brand, which I hope to speak about a lot more this year is really establishing a personal brand for yourself, for more income opportunities and better networking skills and whatnot. So think about how you want to position your band, your personal brand in the market and yeah, what your objectives are by the end of 2021, because it's just going to make your decision making a whole lot easier because you just have to ask, is that opportunity in alignment with where I want to go? And if it's not as hard as it can be sometimes and as irrational, it may seem, for example, the job opportunities, you'll know that it's what's best for you. 
I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. And if it did resonate with you, I'd love if you could let me know on social media. I'm Monica Strutt everywhere. Make sure you subscribe. And if you do want to work with me one-on-one, if you've got new music coming out, then I'd love to hear from you. Just hit me up at contact at monicastrutt.com. Hope that you are well, and I'll speak to you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Being in a Band podcast. If you liked this episode, then please hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an upload. And if you really liked the episode, then definitely let me know on social media. I'm Monica Strutt everywhere. And do leave me an iTunes review. If you aren't already a member of my free Facebook group, Music Marketing and Mindset for Heavy Bands and Musicians, come and join the community of business savvy musicians just like you. If you want to work with me, all my details are in the show notes and I'll catch you next time. Bye.